Hey, Alex here. I just wanted to say thank you. There are literally thousands of you who are listening every single day. And with that in mind, I want to let you guys know that over the coming weeks, I'm going to be trying out some new things for this show, including some new sounds, some new structures, because I want to continue to make this show a comfortable and safe space for everybody to listen, but also to enjoy. So, Again, in the next coming weeks, we're going to try to find our perfect fit, our perfect match, our perfect sound and feel to this show so that we can all feel like we're one big, happy community. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Market Adventures podcast. We might just have the best episode yet lined up for you. We're interviewing Janice Levy, a business owner in Jamaica who plans on changing her country one mind at a time. Stay tuned. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I am Janice Levy. I was born in the district of Rock River in St. Mary in 1970. I am a business development and marketing executive at the Gleaner Company, Media Limited in Jamaica. I am also an entrepreneur. I am the co-founder and co-director of Small Treasures Early Childhood Institution in Jamaica. My formal education started at Rock River Orlid School in St. Mary, um, then on to St. Mary High School. After that, I ventured into the working world at 17 years old, and later I attended the University of the West Indies um, on a part-time basis where I completed my bachelor's degree in management studies. Um, a little more about me, when I was growing up, I grew up under very humble circumstances in Rock River with my parents, Herburn and Enid Clunis and 13 siblings. So we all grew up on love, hope, faith, sometimes food, sometimes shoes, <laughs> sleeping with my siblings horizontally on the bed with our legs hanging off in one of the two wow. rooms. Yes, that two tiny rooms, and that was our entire house. Wait, so there was 14 of you? In one two-bedroom house. Yes, yes, fourteen of us. So it it wasn't it it was a little bit rough, but to us we were happy. We were very happy because we didn't know anything other than what we knew. So our foundation basically was set from the infamous five thirty a.m. prayer meetings that we had almost every morning with 30 minutes minimum prayers and that those things would soon become the framework for my life. The values were established 
right there with clear guidelines. So it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like it was a very, very uh, religious household. Um, 5.30 in the morning, you guys would wake up and do your prayers. And then what, what else would the day look like for you and your 13 uh, siblings? Well, you know, we, we, ha- we had chores. We had chores. After prayer meeting, we had to get up. We had to clean the house. Some had to wash. Some had to cook. And let me tell you, we did not have running water. So we had to go to the river, basically, to get the water. We, we either had to, to take the water from the river to wash at home, or we had to take the clothes to the river and wash them. So we would have to do those things if we're not in school. Before we go to school, during the school days, we had to go to the river and, and bathe, basically take our baths there. And we had to walk to school sometimes because we only had like one bus that was running through the community. So we had to walk to school if we wanted to be early. So it really wasn't a, a very easy road for us. But those things were very, very essential to what we would become in the future. Um, during the daytime, Mama would have to do things basically to earn to get money to send us to school. Our father would preach at church on Sundays. He would build furniture. Of course, he had that skill, but he didn't sell the furniture. He gave away the furniture to people who wanted furniture in the district or he made them for our home. And, you know, we had what we call bush, but it's really subsistence farming. And he would go there so he could plant crops so we could eat. And basically, Mama would just bake. She would fry things. She would find fruits like oranges, and she would sell those at our school. And she was also a seamstress. She had a skill. So she made uniforms. She made other garments for people in the community. Of course, she gave away some, but, you know, Whenever somebody could pay, she would collect, and that would help to send us to school as well. So whatever she needed to make to sell, to earn a book, to ensure that we attended school, she did that, and Daddy did the same because, well, we called him Papa, not Daddy, right? Because education was important to them, and they tried to instill that in in our formative years. So that was very, very important for me and to what I would become in the future. So on the line of children, where were you? Were you one of the earlier bunch I was born or towards the, the latter half? Well, I was basically near to the end. I I was the 11th, the 11th child, oh. I think. Um, or the 11th. 10th? 11th, yes. I was the third to last <laughs> child. <Yeah>. Okay. So <laughs> it's in the 1970s and... Your father builds furniture but gives it away. He's a pastor. And your neither of them, your mother or your father, have traditional jobs. They essentially do whatever they have to do, living off of the land to make sure everybody's fed and clothed. And whatever money they could put together was to put the fourteen the thirteen and fourteen of you through school. Am I getting that right? That that is so correct. You you hit the nail on the on the head, and and later what what I realized later in life is that 
my mother was really a salesperson and an entrepreneur. But we just saw her as selling fruits and selling little things that she made when actually she was running a business. We just were not <laughs> able to put that together at that time, you know, to say, oh, but she's a salesperson and she is really an entrepreneur. And that, that, that was never my dream to become any of those things. I, I initially actually um, aspired to become a fashion designer and an accountant. Um, one of my big sisters, she, she was an accountant and we all thought she was so rich and, and, and she had this status, you know? So I was good at accounting school. I was so good at accounts. And I said, okay, I'm going to become an accountant because yes, my sister has money. And then I love fashion. I love to dress up. So I said, okay, I can be that. And I can also be a fashion designer. And you know, Alex, as fate would have it, I have been a salesperson most of my life and i am also an entrepreneur so mama basically set that foundation and i did not realize it seems like a lot of people particularly mothers um before they the 2000s were entrepreneurs but that that fancy word wasn't used as much back then back then it was just called you know do what you have to do now it's this fancy millennial word where people have to call themselves entrepreneurs to get anything started. So your mother, it sounds like she was the grassroots version of an entrepreneur, right? Making a product, taking it to the market, seeing if it was valuable, attaching a price to it, and then finding a way to scale up so that she could pay for. I mean, if you're paying for 14 children to go to school, you can't fail at that business. So not only did she start the business, she was able to scale it up to where she could pay for 14 children. That is that is a, a testament to her ability. Give me a breakdown of your family. So not individually, but how many of them ended up entrepreneurs? How many of them ended up pastors like your father, carpenters, farmers, whatever? Where, where do you see the majority of your family now? Wow. Oh, um, that's such a big number. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think for the most part, I'd say about 50% of us eventually um, moved on to becoming entrepreneurs. Um, for teachers, some became teachers. Most of them were teachers. Um, farmers, not really. Um, <laughs> but in terms of the skills, though, even though they did not basically go into the working world or, or to becoming entrepreneur using those skills. Most of my siblings, we, it was seven boys, seven girls. Most of us, us girls, we can, we can sew. Um, we basically find things to do on the side, as we say, selling things. So that is something we learned from our mother and the boys, they can make furniture. And also our father used to be a mason. He was he was really multi talented, so he taught the boys as well um, to build houses. So a lot of them um, they can really apply these skills, but they never went on to formally becoming a carpenter or a salesperson and so on. When we come back in just a moment, we're going to hear more from Janice and more specifically about why she decided to become a business owner where. Nobody in her family really decided to go that route. I'm your host, Alex Cunningham, and you're listening to the Market Adventures Podcast. 
This episode was brought to you by Digit, the easiest way to save. Plan for emergencies, set up multiple financial goals, and invest in your future. Search the savings.club. That's the savings.club. Or click the link in the show notes. You'll get a free $5 to get your savings started. So you said you were interested in fashion and you were interested in accounting. And today you're an entrepreneur. So I'm sure you're putting that <laughs> accounting, um, you're putting that accounting to, to use right now. Um, what made you want to be a business owner? So you, you said all of your siblings have the skills, but not necessarily became entrepreneurs. They all went to their own passions and desires, but you became a, a business owner. Why, why did you do that? All right. So I'm going to give you a long version of it. So I've always been an ambitious person. I'm focused and unrelenting in my quest to becoming a better version of myself. I did not know exactly what I wanted to do, even though I thought I wanted to be an accountant, but I knew what I did not want. I did not want to become a serial failure. That's what I call it, a serial failure. Failure. I did not want to disappoint my parents and my older siblings who worked so hard to provide a solid foundation for me. So as, as Colin Powell said, excellence is not an exception. It is a prevailing attitude. And that's my mantra. So I knew that one day I would have become an entrepreneur because that spirit is deeply entrenched in me. What I did not know, though, is that I would have co-owned and operated an early childhood institution. Most of my siblings were teachers, and I am the exception. So I really wanted to own a clothing boutique, and I ventured into selling women's clothing and shoes at one point. But that soon became history when the new door opened for, for, for the business that, that we now have. I, I like to have financial independence, and I believe in stepping into uncharted waters and accept new challenges when they emerge, and that's how we got into business. I love a good, healthy challenge. I, I take risks. I am an entrepreneur. I am very proactive. I believe in always being ready to create an unforgettable first impression, and so I try to apply knowledge and skills, learn throughout my school and work life and from my best teachers, the architects of my life, my parents. I am constantly retooling and reinventing myself so that I can be multifaceted. I also give a lot of credit though to one of my oldest sisters who assumed the matriarch role in our family, Herma Clunis. She impacted my life in ways that I can never repay. She has been my lifelong inspiration and I'm eternally grateful. Those are the things that really drove me to becoming what I wanted to be in life. So, I mean, that's, that is very, very inspiring that it sounds like you're speaking from a, a, a fire deep, deep down um, that, that you'll never be satisfied until you become the better version of yourself. Tell me, you are still living in Jamaica, right? I am living in Jamaica. We'll always be living in Jamaica. <laughs> it's the best place to live. Okay, so um, 
uh, as your, the listeners might not know, most of your, a, a lot of your family decided to make the trip over to America. Um, people have always said, you know, America is the land of the dreams, uh, fortune untold, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's how history has painted America. Why is it that you decided to stay in Jamaica and how do you see um, business and uh, the, the the ability to sustain a business or grow a business in Jamaica different from that of America? Um, I, I can speak for Jamaica because that is where I live. Um, my siblings who live in America, they have done very well for themselves and the opportunities that they have gotten over there, I'm sure those things have helped them to grow. Um, for me, I stayed here for many reasons and I am loving it. I am still here because I, I, I still work. I have a family and um, I have a business. And so this is where I plan to be. Um, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about the business, how, how we started. So like I said before, I had a little business doing shoes and clothing for, for females and an opportunity door opened. And I'm gonna quote a little scripture because it is in me, right? So Proverbs 29, 18 says that, where there is no vision, the people perish. So the vision is what basically propelled this business along. So seven years ago, an opportunity door opened and my business partner and I, we took a leap of faith. We opened an early childhood institution with just our monthly salaries, one month salary, right? As our startup capital. We enrolled... So you didn't take... You didn't take an, an investment from anywhere. You guys put the money in yourselves. That's right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so we basically, we enrolled about four children when we started and we continued with that small number for about three months. We then invested our time through hard work, dedication, and a commitment to contribute to nation building through employment and the development of young minds. So that is how we started our business. So in short order, what happened is our attendance numbers grew exponentially. And in one year, we expanded to a second campus. And the following year, we expanded to a third. And we became one of Jamaica's best early childhood institutions. Wow. And just in three, I mean, that kind of growth in three years, especially with something as delicate as childcare is really, really incredible. Um, so, I mean, my question again would be, you never, you didn't have any history with childcare. Um, when you took a leap of faith with your partner and you saw an opportunity, why did you feel like that opportunity was for you when you didn't have a background in it? Okay, so once you manage anything, you can manage anything that comes in front of you. So my, my, my training at school is in management. So that is where I focus in the business. I'm in the management section. I don't teach, but what I do, I employ teachers. So my partner, she does something else. She is in marketing 
and I am in business. So we make a very great team. So that is how we were able to push our business and to grow it in such a short time. That, I mean, that, what you just said, that you're not a teacher, but you know how to hire good teachers. That reminds me, um, the um, the person who created um, McDonald's, I believe his name is Ray Kroc, when asked what he was in the business of, he said he's in the business of real estate. He doesn't flip burgers. He knows how to find prime property and sell to other people. So what you just said is, I mean, right along the lines of someone who created a, a franchise like McDonald's, being able to see the greatness in the people who are going to be running your business allows the business to live a lot longer, right? So you're running this business, you're teaching young minds, you're employing America, you're employing Jamaica's uh, people to run your business, right? You're working from so many different angles to what eventually bring Jamaica to a higher points, I'm sure in the future. How do you manage saving Jamaica, being an employee at a job, a business owner, and a wife. I mean, you're doing <laughs> everything. <sighs> okay, so Alex, my life work balance, it is never an easy task, never. I can tell you, being a mother, a wife, a caregiver to my immobile mother, an aunt, sister, friend, an employee, a business owner, and so many other things. Life comes with many, many challenges, but I'm never daunted. I'm never daunted. I also volunteer um, doing public service as well, because I do believe in giving back. I have been blessed, and, and so I give back in public service. But I tell you, there are so many things that I have to do in order to balance and I'm going to share some of them with you. Um, they are very simple things. They are very, very simple things. My nephew, Greg Clunis, he, he wrote about tiny leaps. And these are some of the things that I do in order to get to where I want to go. Right? So I create habits and, and I commit to them. I organize, I organize, and I organize. I set realistic goals, I prioritize, I delegate a lot, <laughs> a lot. I have to delegate and I become very creative with whatever I'm doing. I apply knowledge and self-confidence to any project that I'm doing. I constantly motivate myself. I take vacation breaks. I have to take vacation breaks. I dress up because I have to look good. I have to feel good about myself. I party, I dance, I drink red wine. Remember I said red wine. I don't drink alcohol that is going to damage my liver, etc. I drink red wine because you know, sometimes you have to imbibe, but that's what I do. I try to exercise. I'm not fully there yet, but I try. I hope to get there one day. I worship God. I worship. I give thanks. And I keep myself grounded with my feet firmly planted in my roots at Rock River. Um, one of the things I do with that is I create a center in my mind that I go to. It is my go-to place where I basically hear the sounds of the river in my district. 
I feel the fresh, cold breeze and the river water that I used to jump in for my baths in the mornings. And those things that I constantly try to remember, they keep me very, very grounded. So, I mean, you're saying essentially, because I want people out there who are listening to understand this. If you feel like there's not enough time in the day and, you know, you feel overwhelmed at work, between work and being a, a parent, which is understandable um, in most cases. But what you're saying is your mind, your ability to tap into that place to help you feel grounded and grateful allows you to slow down everything, right? Everything that's moving as fast as a speeding train in your mind, your public service, your um, duties at home, your duties at work, your duties at your business, all of those things are moving at 100 miles an hour and you're able to slow those things down by tapping into this place in your mind, right? Yes, this is, this is what I call my center, this happy place that I go to to relax, no, that's, I mean, that, that's spoken in through in many words and in less words, um, just throughout time, people mentioning the importance of visualization, right? There are so many books and gurus out there that talk about visualization and being able to see what you want and being able to escape, but also to see forward in addition to backwards. So, I mean, that's, that's really important for any of the listeners out there who are, who are overwhelmed with your day and overwhelmed with your tasks, find that that center, find your grounding and find that piece of support, you know, that you're able to keep going. Um, so I got to ask, with all the things that you're working on, and, and I'm sure you have some very, very big goals to achieve in the next decade, what are some of those big, big goals that you're looking to achieve uh, moving forward? And I want you to tell me a little bit about how COVID slowed you down and how that impacted those big goals that you had. So I'm going to talk about how COVID-19 has impacted my life. Um, so COVID has no doubt impacted the business and ultimately my life. Like so many others, so many other people have been affected. But I'm grateful because I'm still alive and I can continue the fight. There are so many who have lost their lives regrettably. And so I give thanks. I feel blessed. There has been significant revenue losses, both from the business and my job. And this is where the creative spirit kicks in. This is where you have to retool. This is where you have to basically get those creative juices flowing. So I spoke about being multifaceted before. So everyone should try to become multifaceted. You have to be resilient. You have to be able to quickly develop contingency plans. You have to be able to look at your products and to make adjustments. You have to be flexible within reason in order to achieve business continuity. You have to offer new products and byproducts of them or your services. And proper planning and execution is going to be crucial. You must allow these things to take place in order for the business to remain relevant when the dust settles. Because 
we are in this dynamic uncertain environment within which we will now be required to operate. And in order for us to be successful, we have to do things differently. So in the next decade, I, I had some goals and some of them, the first one actually was to retire in five years. <laughs> COVID has certainly placed a hold on that. I have to now rethink and retool, um, but I still plan to retire soon. Um, I plan to have a six pack actually. I, I like to have a well-toned body and that is a plan. Alex, whether you think it's a plan or not, it is a plan for me. So I must get a six pack. I must get a healthy body because I like to look good. And this helps me when I'm working. This helps me, motivates me to do more when I look good. Yeah. So I plan to continue my education to the highest level. I mean, you know, women, we want to self-actualize. So Maslow told us that in his hierarchy. So yes, I, I still want to continue to do that. And I plan to go to the highest level at some point. Another thing that is very important to me, I want to, of course, if my husband agrees, to share the comfort of our humble home with a child that needs a home. My mother usually does that in the country, even though she had 14. There was always somebody else living with us. Um, I want to have long vacations, a vacation time with family and friends. They are very important to me. And, and it helps you. It helps to keep you grounded. It helps you to feel happy, to be who you are when you are around the people who you are comfortable with. And last but not least, I want to establish and operate a successful interior design and renovations business. That's my success. That is when I feel happiest, when I am designing and renovating. That's really my happiness. So those are the things that I want to do in the future. What advice would you give to somebody um, of that nature that was inspired by something you said today? Well, I, I, I would start by saying your passion could be the first place that you look, but the passion does not always pay the bills. So you have to be realistic about the goals that you are setting and you have to be prepared to fail. You just don't start a business and then you are successful. You have to put in the time. You have to put in the work. You have to ensure that your first impression to your clients is what they remember. So you must give it a hundred percent. You must plan. You must organize. You must have integrity. Without integrity, your business cannot and will not succeed. So no matter how small or large you want your business to grow, you can start with just a paycheck. We did it and we have been very successful at it, but determination and commitment, they are very, very important. And you have to ensure that you apply everything 
to your business in order for it to continue. All right, Janice, thank you so much for being here. I think a lot of people are going to love the things that you say. You certainly inspired me, and I'm sure you inspired a lot of people out there that are listening um, to the things that you just said. It's, It's been an absolute pleasure, Alex, speaking with you. And I'm glad I could inspire you. And if my story can help to motivate somebody, then my living shall not be in vain. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening today. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can write us on Instagram or message the Facebook page, both at Market Adventures Podcast. I'm Alex Cunningham, and you've been listening to Market Adventures.